0: Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. All of our brothers and sisters in Christ are going through trials,
1: okay? We're all tried, we're all tempted, okay? But with that trial, in and through that trial, let me say vis-a-vis that trial, God will provide a way of escape So that you can bear up under it. We say it like this. God will never give you more than you can handle.
0: You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kanayohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Job. You might hear the account of Job and be overwhelmed. You may question how anyone could possibly maintain their faith in God in such horrible circumstances. But as Pastor J.D. reminds us in today's message, God will never allow you to go through anything that is beyond what you can handle with His help. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Job chapter 30 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. By
1: great force, verse 18, my garment is disfigured. It binds me about as the collar of my coat. He, speaking of God, has cast me into the mire, and I have become like dust and ashes. I cry out to you, God, that's capitalized, but you, God, do not answer me. I stand up and you regard me but you have become cruel to me with the strength of your hand you oppose me again God I'm crying out to you why are you against me why are you afflicting me why do you oppose me now keep in mind That Job still holds to that which he declared prior. Do you remember? Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Or as other translations render it, yet will I praise him. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Not curse him. Remember we talked about this last couple weeks. Satan left intact Job's mouth, the skin of his teeth, where we get that idiom. He kept it intact because he wants Job to curse God. Job's not going to curse God. (laughs) Satan doesn't know that. God knows that because God's all-knowing. Do you think, this is important. Please, please hear me on this. Do you think for a second that God would have allowed any of this to happen? If he knew that in the end, Job would curse God, God can't do that. That would be God tempting with evil. That's not consistent. It is incompatible, wholly incompatible with who God is. He will never do that. He will never, for lack of a better way of saying it, create an environment in our lives that is conducive to us sinning. Because then he's party to our disobedience. And were t- to he have done that, he would have been party to job cursing god god 'll never do that god 'll never put us in a situation that he knows we 're not able to bear up under and by the way, this is first corinthians ten thirteen a life verse for many present company included i 'll say present company especially this one verse I have hung on to by my fingernails for dear life through some of the greatest trials in my life basically here's and you know the verse i'm just gonna paraphrase it the apostle paul writing says that there is no trial or temptation same word in the original that has overtaken you that has come upon you that has been allowed into your life there is no trial as as difficult as it may seem that is overtaken you, but such as is common to man. In other words, all of our brothers and sisters in Christ are going through trials, okay? We're all tried, we're all tempted, okay? But with that trial, in and through that trial, let me say vis-a-vis that trial, God will provide a way of escape so that you can bear up under it. We say it like this. God will never give you more than you can handle. In other words, God knows the end from the beginning. He knows how much Job can handle. He knows how much you can handle. He knows how much I can handle. And he, now sometimes you... Want to try to you know convince God? Okay, God, this this, that's it, right? Because you know I can't handle anymore. No, you you can handle a little bit more. No, I can't. I can't. (laughs) This 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 is it. This is all I can bear up under. God said, "Well, see." By the way, (laughs) one of the things I'm learning. Especially when it comes to, to trials. I'm laughing now. i you know, there's times where I'm, you know, I've been in the fetal position, lying on the floor, just you know, no words. I'm beyond words. I'm just moaning, oh God, you know, this great man of faith that I am, right? So but here's the thing I'm learning about trials. Um, God sometimes, in and through the trial, needs to show me me. And what me can handle. By the way, is that not what he's going to show Job? Job doesn't have the benefit of chapter 42 at the end of the book. We do. Job doesn't yet know what's in store for him. Oh my goodness. What is in store for him? I mean, God is going to bless him many times over. More than before, exceedingly abundantly above and beyond anything you could have ever imagined. That's coming. But see, sometimes God wants us to see us and know ourselves. And the only way he can do that is to allow us to go through things that we think there's no way I'm ever going to make it through this. This is how it ends. This is, in fact, as we're going to read, Job comes to that place. In fact, this is where he's going. He's basically coming to what I believe is the best place any of us can come to. And it's that place of complete surrender. And, and Job's coming to that place. Let's, let's read on. Verse 22, you lift me up to the wind and cause me to ride on it. You spoil my success. For I know that you will bring me to death and to the house appointed for all living. Surely he would not stretch out his hand against a heap of ruins. If they cry out when he destroys it, have I not wept for him who was in trouble? Has not my soul grieved for the poor? But when I looked for good, evil came to me. And when I waited for light, then came darkness. My heart is in turmoil and cannot rest. Days of affliction confront me. I go about mourning, but not in the sun. I stand up in the assembly and cry out for help. I am a brother of jackals and a companion of ostriches. My skin grows black and falls from me. My bones burn with fever. This is literal, by the way. My harp is turned to mourning and my flute to the voice of those who weep again this is interesting because here in chapter thirty job is finally and it it's come slowly not quickly but slowly throughout all of this he's now coming to the place of accepting this as the end it's like he's resigning himself to the reality to the inevitable that this is how it's going to be and will continue to be until the day of my death. And it's almost like he's saying, I'm okay with that. In fact, hasten it. Remember prior, he he cried out to God saying, Oh, how I wish that God would give me that which I desire the most, death. Death would be a welcome relief. No, that's not what I'm going to do. That's not what I'm going to do, Job. Again, to me, this is the best possible place that we can come to in our lives. Because this is the place where we lose our lives. We lose our lives in this world. And when we do, we find our lives. You lose to find. You want to keep your life, you're going to lose it. You lose your life, you'll keep it. And that's what Job's doing. And that's the place that Job is coming. Charles Spurgeon, again, says it best. He says... Of Job, I know that you will bring me to death. Under depression of spirit, he felt sure that he must very soon die. He feared that God would not relax the blows of his hand until his body became a ruin, and then he would have rest. But he did not die at that time. He was fully recovered, <laughs> and he doesn't know it yet. But God will give him twice as much as he had before. A life of usefulness and happiness and honor lay before him. And yet he had set up his own tombstone and reckoned himself a dead man. In other words, he just died to self. And now he's going to live again. And oh, how he's going to... You've heard that expression. The best is yet to come. The the best has been saved for last. Do do you think in your wildest imagination that if somebody at some point throughout this whole process, as painful as it's been, were to come to Job and say to him, Job, just hang in there a little bit longer. Because at the end of this, you know what's going to (laughs) happen? Uh, God's going to restore everything. You're going to have twice as much as you had. You're going to have twenty children instead of ten. How's that one? You think you think Job would have believed that? You think Job would have actually? <laughs> Chapter thirty-one. He says, "I have made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I look upon a young woman speaking?" about looking upon her lustfully. For what is the allotment of God from above and the inheritance of the Almighty from on high? Is it not destruction for the wicked and disaster for the workers of iniquity? Does he not see my ways and count all my steps? If I have walked with falsehood or if my foot has hastened to deceit, This is what he says, verse 6. Let me be weighed on honest scales that God may know my integrity. If my step has turned from the way, or my heart walked after my eyes, or if any spot adheres to my hands, then let me sow and another eat. Yes, let my harvest be rooted out. If my heart has been enticed by a woman, or if I have lurked at my neighbor's door, then let my wife grind for another and let others bow down over her. Whoa. For that would be wickedness. Yes, it would be iniquity deserving of judgment. What is Job, What is he saying here? Has he like completely lost his mind? No. In fact, quite the contrary. He's speaking his mind, and he, what he's saying here is, if I have been guilty of that which I have been accused of being guilty of, then let God do this to me. If I've looked lustfully or lurked at my neighbor's door coveting my neighbor's wife, then let somebody else have my wife. It's pretty graphic, actually. I'm not going to get too detailed. That's what he's saying. Because that, that would be just. Because what I would have done, as you've accused me of doing, would have been wickedness. Deserving of this happening to me. I sow somebody else eats what I sow. That would be just if I was that wicked. Verse 12, for that would be a fire that consumes to destruction and would root out all my increase. If I have despised the cause of my male or female servant when they complained against me, what then shall I do when God rises up, when he punishes? How shall I answer him? Did he not, verse 15, who made me in the womb make them? Did not the same one fashion us in the womb? If I have kept the poor from their desire, or caused the eyes of the widow to fail, or eaten my morsel by myself so that the fatherless could not eat of it, by the way, (laughs) that's what he was accused of doing. And so once again, he's responding, even refuting them and their false accusations against him specifically as it relates to the merciless and heartless treatment and cruelty towards the fatherless and the poor and the widow which his so called friends were very quick to viciously attack him concerning and falsely accuse him concerning Verse 18, we're told parenthetically, But from my youth I reared him as a father, and from my mother's womb I guided the widow. If I have seen anyone perish for lack of clothing, or any poor man without covering, if his heart has not blessed me, and if he was not warmed with the fleece of my sheep, if I have raised my hand against the fatherless, when I saw I had help in the gate, then let my arm fall from my shoulder. Let my arm be torn from my socket. I've done no such thing as you have accused me of. Verse 23, for destruction from God is a terror to me. And because of his magnificence, I cannot endure if I have made gold my hope or said to find gold. You are my confidence. Again, he was accused of this. You love money, Job. And see now what God's done. He took away all your wealth. Uh, Again, in that culture, and it's really the same way today. uh, And and sadly, ah, dare I say that This has taken up residence within the church today in America under the banner of the prosperity doctrine that if you're wealthy, it means God's blessing you. If you're not wealthy, God's not blessing you. You don't have enough faith. You need to claim it because God wants wants you to be wealthy. No, this is, I mean, it's, and, and Job was basically accused of loving money, putting his trust in money. Listen to verse 25, if I have rejoiced because of my wealth was great and because my hand had gained much, what he's saying is, you know, you've accused me of loving money and you know, see, now they're, they're looking at him saying, oh, uh, where, where's your wealth now? Obviously, God's cursing you because of what you've done. And this this is evidence of it. it let me, uh, let's, let's just be honest. Just indulge me for a moment. And I, I'm speaking of myself, too, because we all have this propensity. Somebody you know is going through a trial or something happens, financial reversal, they lose their job, something happens. What's the first thought that comes to your mind? Oh, God must be punishing them for something. There must be some sin in their life, right? Listen, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, because if I did, my, my hand would have to be the first one to go up. Just innate within us in our Adamic sin nature. We, like Job's so-called friends, have this propensity, this proclivity to see people that are going through difficulty as being punished by God. And by the way, you know what's even worse than that is when the person that's going through the trial starts believing that God is angry with them and against them. And is punishing them. And we've talked about this, especially in Ephesians. I think Galatians before it. God is not mad at you. God took all of his anger, all of his wrath, and he put it on his son, God the Son, on that cross. There is therefore now no condemnation, no anger, no wrath, no punishment. For those that are in Christ Jesus. Now, that's not to say, and let me hasten to say, that there aren't those times where God does chastise us. That's different than punishment. Chastisement is discipline where we get the word discipling. It's it's a correcting, it's a training, it's a teaching, it's a and it's loving because God sees us going in a direction. And so there's correction and redirection to get us back on the path and back on track. And sometimes he has to allow adversity into our lives because that's the only way he can get our attention. And boy, when adversity is, this is Ecclesiastes 7 verse 14, another life verse for me particularly, where Solomon writes, during the days of prosperity and joy, when times are good, man, hey, just praise the lord man don't don 't apologize for it god's god 's blessing you 're not going through a trial. Hey, listen, you know you know how they say you 're either uh just coming out of a trial or you 're just about to go into a trial doesn 't that just bless your heart when somebody shares that with you it 's kind of like so you 've got just this little window of opportunity, this little you know sliver of time where you 're not in a trial. Enjoy it while it lasts. There's another trial coming, right? So during times of prosperity, when times are good, enjoy it and praise the Lord for it and be thankful. But when, not if, when adversity strikes, stop and consider and realize that man can discover nothing about his future. Another translation defines it or translates it this way. So that man will have to depend upon God for his future. Now God's got your attention. Now you're going to look to God. See, when things were going good, I mean, even your prayer life is like, Lord, bless me, bless them, bless this, you know. Amen. (laughs) But boy, that adversity strike. Oh, my. Oh, God. (laughs) You know, you're on your face. Creator of the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that in them is
0: We're so glad you tuned in to Pastor J.D.'s teaching in the book of Job. There's much more to learn, but sadly, that's all the time we have for on today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. In the meantime, you can find more messages from Pastor J.D. by visiting our website at inspiritandtruthradio.com. Subscribe to our podcast while you're there and receive new messages as soon as they're made available. Did you know you can take In Spirit and Truth on the go by downloading our mobile app? In our fast-paced world, it's easy to let the time we'd spend in the Bible slip into the back of the line of things to get done in a day. When you download our mobile app, however, you'll have verse-by-verse studies in the Bible available right at your fingertips, ready to listen to whenever and wherever you go. You'll find a link to the app at inspiritandtruthradio.com. Keep up to date with the Middies Prophecy Updates with our mobile app as well. Each Friday and Saturday, Pastor J.D. shares current world events and how they relate to the end-time prophecies found in the Bible. The information provided is intended to stir in us an urgency to share the good news of Jesus before He returns to judge the world. There's so much to learn each week, and Pastor J.D. does a great job of getting us the information we need. Find out more on our YouTube channel at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Thanks for joining us today, and be sure to tune in next time to keep studying through Job on In Spirit and Truth.
2: Keeping me right with the way, holding me true to